0: Welcome to the Random Anx Podcast with your hosts, Justin and Mark. We talk about anything and everything nerdy, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Today is August 27th, 2017, and this is episode 4 of our podcast. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere and the various books set within that universe, such as The Way of Kings, Words of Radiance, the Mistborn series, and others. We are also going to look at uh, discussing the newest show from Netflix, The Defenders, with Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage. That was recently released about a week ago, August 18th. And so we'll be talking about that and whether we liked it, what we liked, what we didn't like, that sort of thing. So, like I said, I'm here with my co-host Mark. How are you been today, and what's been going on with you?
1: Hey, I'm doing good. Just enjoying life, uh, enjoying a good weekend off from work. Um, pretty much same old for me. Uh, just rewatching some old movies, and uh, you know, getting caught up and ready for you know this next season's TV shows to start and you know, different things. So, I'm been exciting. Uh, one thing I did do is I I rewatched the movie Warcraft. I don't know who's seen it out there. I know Justin hasn't seen it, uh, but it is surprisingly good. It's based, you know, I it's based off the game Warcraft. Uh, I'm sure everyone's heard of it. It's based off the you know Warcraft one that came out early '90s, I suppose, somewhere around there. Uh, it's a great movie. Uh, it was really underrated. Um, one of the main characters is played by um, the Vikings' main character. I wish I knew his name offhand. I don't, but it's just a great movie. It's Surprisingly good. I would suggest everyone just take a look at it. I know it's you know kind of has a bad bad rap, but it is it is uh, really good. Uh, it did horrible in the United States. It did great overseas, though. Um, it it was amazing. I, I I don't know. I mean, Justin, you haven't seen it yet, but you've, you've expressed interest to see it. What What do you think? Yeah, I, mean,
0: I think when I saw the preview, it was interesting. I just didn't know much about the backstory because I haven't played the games. I'm a, like you said. I'm aware of them and have talked to people who played them religiously. But I never knew the story that much. And I don't think the trailer really hyped me up for it. I think the trailer could have been a little bit better. Um, but I thought it looked visually stunning. And the the creatures were very intriguing. And I, I have an interest to see it. Like I, I, I want to see it on video at some point. Um, but I did not make it to the theater. I think it came, it came out in the summer of last year. And just summers, you know, there's a lot of movies that come out, and you kind of have to pick the best ones. And that wasn't on my list. But uh, we've talked about it before in the past, Mark. I know that it's based somewhat on the game, or I know the characters are from the game, the names and their situations. But how much of the movie is, is based on the games?
1: It's hard to say. So this is the first one, and uh, this first one came out really before I got into the get it got into the into the series of get, of the games. I didn't really get into it until Warcraft Two. The first one was really sixteen uh, bit graphics. I mean, it was you know like one of those. Cool games that came out right after we moved away from, do- you know, DOS systems. So it's pretty old. Um, but from what I hear, it's based pretty closely on the original storyline, which is nice. Uh, they do change a couple things, I know for sure, just because I know the storyline of the second one. But generally, it follows the storyline really well. And uh, they do a great job of, you know, building up a hero, um you know, killing off some heroes, uh, building up bad guys, killing off some bad guys. They do a really good job about all of that, and I, and I really like that, you know, as opposed to just, um, I don't know, kind of failing on that front. You know, I've seen a lot of movies that come from video games, and they're really downers. Doom is probably the bigger, one of the bigger ones that I've seen they have just been horrible. Uh, another one that's real popular out there is Resident Evil. Uh, a lot of people have seen those, you know, based on games, and generally they don't do real well. But I really enjoyed Warcraft. I I did. Um, like I said, uh, not a lot of people saw it in the, in the U.S. It it really did bad in the U.S., but it did great overseas. Uh, China is religious Warcraft players. I was I played World of Warcraft for years. I loved it. I was a big nerd. I played all the time. Um, so for me, this was a, you know, I was excited for the movie. I know a lot of my friends that played were excited for the movie and we all loved it. And so definitely something we were into, I would suggest, you know, just taking a look and watching it again. I, you know, it does follow the, the story. I know after looking into it, there's not, there hasn't been any definitive answer if there is going to be a second one made. It did. Even though it flopped in the United States, it did really well. It made $460 million in the box office worldwide, which, you know, there's other movies that do greater, right? I mean, you look at the Marvel series, they're all doing, you know, way, way more. But, you know, when this has a $160 million budget, so makes $300 million, it's still a success. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I know that the director has said that he's on to do the second one. There's just been no announcement yet. So I mean we'll see. I but overall I mean I gave this movie a solid B plus, you wow. know, if I had to good. grade it. Solid B plus. It was it was great. It's just something new. Yeah. And something good. Like they just took a storyline and made it good and I and I appreciate that. Okay.
0: Good to good to hear. Uh, how does it did you ever see Assassin's Creed? play any of those games you know how it compares to that
1: you know i i didn't um i played the games i loved them uh most of them i didn't finish mostly because you know there's just a million games and yeah but i got through a lot you know most of the gameplay on all of them there's just so much with them i didn't see the movie that's a movie i've wanted to see uh i kind of got trapped i trapped myself on that one i kept playing to go see it and i i believe the reviews which is horrible because i hate reviews i think reviews are like the worst thing in the world especially from rotten tomatoes yeah but uh but i want to see it um i have a i know a couple people that have seen it and they thoroughly enjoyed it i know some people that saw it and they thought it was horrible uh so it's just something i'm i'm going to need to see um uh, but just watching the trailers it visually it looks amazing yeah but that's – you know that's like one in a million these days, right? Everyone's making their show look visually amazing. So I'm hoping that when I do see it, the storyline matches the, you know, the hype. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough.
0: Good. Well, as far as convention news, there hasn't been anything show-stopping out of Salt Lake Comic Con. Um, just a couple of announcements. No one major. Um, what, who was the actor that they... Recently announced from Deep Space Nine, was it?
1: Uh, no, it was a Stargate SG One. Oh, yeah, SG One. Yeah, My bad. Yeah, Stargate. Uh, it's uh, the guy that plays Tilk. His name's Christopher Judge. He is coming. I can't remember if he came years ago. It seems like he he did. Uh, I want to say that I that I I saw him, but I just can't remember for sure, to be honest. But he's coming. So if you're an old SG One fan, that's you know. That'd be great for you. I I am. I think it's great. I wish they had more of the SG-1 team coming, but uh, he'll be there, so, you know, it I, looks like I'm looking here, photo ops for $40 uh, for Friday. Uh, there are tickets available, so if you want to go, uh, you know, there's definitely room. Uh, autographs for an additional $40. He's doing a panel. But they haven't really given much information on about when or where, but uh, it's been announced he will do a panel. I just I don't have any of other information than that.
0: Right. We're still waiting on a big reveal for a major actor or uh, you know someone who's in a current movie or someone that is a well known actor like a, a Ben Affleck or a Robert Downey Jr or even a Stan Lee, so hopefully that'll come out in the next week or two to start getting the hype up for Salt Lake Comic Con. That's September 23rd that weekend, I believe. So, uh, as far as movies goes, I haven't watched any movies in the theater in the past week. I think the only movie I did watch was at home. <laughs> it was Rocky Balboa. Apparently they're having a, a sale on iTunes for the all six movies were $15. The, the package so I bought it and I think Rocky Balboa is the only one I hadn't seen so we watched that and that's not typically a movie we would review but it's the only one I've seen this week um, I thought it was I thought it was good um, I'm hesitant to say it was great very reminiscent of the first Rocky in this the way it was shot in the storyline It starts out with with Rocky just kind of living his life and running his restaurant. He's kind of doesn't have much purpose it seems. I mean, like he has his restaurant and he helps his buddies out, gives them free meals and place to come and talk. But he's kind of lacking that that spark that he that he once had. And so he ends up meeting this girl that was in the original Rocky and I think was in. The last Rocky movie as a grown up woman. He ends up reconnecting with her, and they, there's not really, it didn't come across as a romantic interest, but it was something that, you know, they were friends and they helped each other out and supported one another. So that was a nice take on, on that. Um, he, he recently lost his wife to cancer in the story. And so I think if they would have rushed into a relationship, it would have kind of dishonored Adrian's memory. So I'm glad they just took the, hey, we're good friends route with that. But he he trains. He he wants to fight, get back in the ring. And he ends up training and getting ready for a fight with the current heavyweight champion at that time. And, and actually in, in real life, the guy he fought in the movie in real life, he was the heavyweight champion at the time. And it was, so it was pretty realistic fight. I guess I read something on IMDb afterwards that they really didn't pull any punches. They weren't, you know, 100% fighting, but they were contacting, you know, hitting for real and um, you know, really trying to make it as realistic as possible. So, and I think it came through in the movie. It was it was a good movie to to watch. Uh, it kind of reminded me of the Conor McGregor floyd mayweather fight in the sense that you know floyd's 40 years old and he's retired and he comes back out to fight this new trash-talking young guy um and however rocky's like i don't know 60 in the movie (laughs) a little different but you know he, he trains he fights he holds his own i don't want to spoil the ending for you but it's a satisfying conclusion to the movie and um I, there was also a side story of him and his son. His son's living in his shadow, and has to live up to the family name. And he's working in the business world, and everyone's like, "Oh, you're Rocky's son. Can I, can I meet your dad?" And and all that sort of thing. And he's getting tired of it, so he confronts his dad, and they have a a heart to heart, and ends up being, you know, pretty a good turnout for for them throughout towards the end of the movie. So. I thought overall it was a great great story, good character development. The only unbelievable part was Rocky coming back to fight again. But, I mean, who doesn't want to see Rocky fight again? So you kind of have to suspend that belief. But overall, i give it a plus. A, a great movie. Good acting. I mean, Sylvester Stallone is Rocky. It's hard to say and equate that to good acting. But it's, it was believable, and I enjoyed watching it. So... I gave it a B plus on that. You know,
1: you? Uh, I saw the movie mostly because I'm a fan. The only movie I hated worse than that one was Rocky <laughs> Five. I mean, <laughs> I I liked Creed. Creed's the newest one that just yeah, came out. Creed was good. Uh, I liked it. Rocky Balboa. I almost felt like that they put out because. He just wanted to make another movie. Sylvester Stallone just wanted to make another movie. And it felt like a forced, for me, it felt like it was a forced um, storyline. didn't really seem realistic to me. I mean, at the time, he's, he was 60 years old, and he wants to get in and fight the heavyweight champion. You know, it just kind of blows me away. But, uh, I mean, it did have its good moments. Uh, I did like a lot of what it offered. I it was kind of interesting how it all started. Uh you know it kind of started because a video game showed that Rocky Balboa could beat the champion right now and there's a big pride thing yeah. and that was pretty neat i liked how all that went down but just overall i it just i don't know i i didn't love it uh-huh. you know and uh for me i gave it maybe a c plus at best uh you know it didn't have any of the the only cast it had that was original i guess was rocky and his trainer right
0: yeah Paulie. Oh, Mount oh, yeah. Holly
1: the oh the black uh, guy
0: the trainer yeah guy. the
1: black the black trainer yeah. I don't know his name um, but uh, um, you know it had those guys in it. But other than that, you know, there's really no one in it. Uh, Adrian was gone, like you said, and uh, the ending was cool. Apparently, there's an alternate ending too. So if you if you get the you know DVDs or Blu-rays or whatever it is, there's an alternate ending. And I've heard that's neat. I haven't seen it myself, but uh, something to look into. Um,
0: and I guess we can spoil it because it's been two weeks. been <laughs> <Yeah>. a year. <laughs> it's like
1: five years. Yeah,
0: it's true. It's It came out in like 2009 or six. I don't know. Mid-2000s. <laughs> over ten years ago, probably. So anyway, Rocky doesn't win in the end. Puts up a good fight, but he... He goes the distance, goes all 12 rounds, but then he he, um, loses by points. His split decision. Yep. So then he walks yep. off. So I guess the alternate ending is he wins?
1: Yeah, the alternate ending has him winning. I don't know how they spin that or or anything. Like I said, I haven't seen it. I, I saw the movie one time, and, and I've never seen it again. Yeah. That's how much I liked it. But, uh, I mean, it's definitely worth watching. If you like the like the series get it you know it's worth watching once you know you have to watch them all i guess yeah yeah it was very
0: nostalgic so i think they tried to they definitely tried to play that up i mean the first half hour of the movie was rocky remembering all the places that he went in the original movies and the relationships he had with with his trainer and with his wife so you know definitely very nostalgic and they played that up really well uh, any other movies that you watched throughout the week?
1: Not me. I I haven't had time. I just got back from vacation, so uh, yeah. <laughs> just work and stuff for me. But for everyone out there, Wonder Woman comes out on digital as a digital copy on Tuesday, and I will be definitely getting it. So if you're interested, I mean, there's a lot of digital platforms out there. I use voodoo. Uh, I know Justin uses the iTunes, but coming out get it amazing movie you'll watch it a billion times guaranteed
0: yeah i'm looking forward to the extras i don't know what they have on there i didn't read up on that part but i'm definitely always interested in the extras on these movies there's so much that goes into them so much creative effort in pre-production and throughout the production of the movies. so there's a lot of great material that they include on these
1: Oh, yeah. Especially extended scenes or deleted scenes. A lot of things will happen that don't make sense. Uh, or, you know, if you don't know a storyline, doesn't add up. A lot of these deleted scenes, extended scenes, will explain it. And uh, I'm looking forward to those, too. I, you know, just to see what else, you know, what other information uh, I can get about everything. So yeah. it'll, it'll be good. It'll yeah, be good.
0: Definitely. All right. Um, moving on. So one of the main things that we wanted to talk about, there's two of them, the Cosmere and the Defenders, which we uh, teased at the beginning of this episode. But we want to move into the Cosmere uh, and just kind of talk about, you know, what it is, uh, who's behind it all, what stories are out there in the Cosmere, and, you know, just that sort of thing. I think those that read fantasy books like um, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series or perhaps even George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire series and you know these big epic sprawling fantasies fantasies I think they know who Brandon Sanderson is but I would say the majority of people who who watch Game of Thrones probably don't know who Brandon Saint Sanderson is and just the general public the GP doesn't know who he is but he's one of the most prolific authors of our time he writes at least a book a year sometimes two or even three and they're not all really large books usually there's like a large book that's a thousand pages or so and then there'll be a couple of smaller books three four hundred pages and then perhaps a short story of you know 50 60 80 pages so he's always writing if you follow him on twitter or facebook He's he's traveling. He'll he'll fly to Israel, and on the flight over, he'll he'll write a short story. You know that's how fast he is. And the stories are good. They're not just you know pulp fiction type novels where you read them once and then you th- toss them in the trash. There are books that you read and you buy and you put on your shelf and read again in in a year or two later. So that's who Brandon Sanderson is. He's Actually, living in the state of Utah where we are, so you've had several chances to meet him and go to his book signings and inter- interact with him. He's a great guy. He always takes time for his fans.
1: Oh, yeah. well, gr- great guy, yeah. right? I mean, we've we've met him dozens dozen times at least, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. and gone to different signings. And I mean, he's just real personable, real great. We we saw him in New York City. Uh, he he kind of remembered us, which was cool. Uh, when we went out to Comic Con out there, uh, just real person. You know, I like talking to the guy. He he'll talk to you. He'll answer your questions. Uh, whereas you know, there's other authors that or people that just don't. Uh, and and like Justin said, he's local, which is great. Uh, you know, you don't get that all the time.
0: Yeah, and he usually has a book signing here in the Salt Lake Valley once a year. So we try to make that and talk to him uh the quote you mentioned new york comic con how we met him there that was probably 10 years ago now but it was pretty cool because we were there and we we noticed that he was there signing books and he was going to do a panel so we went over to his booth and we're it's like hey how's it going he remembered us like you said and he's like i gotta go to this panel but you guys can come with me and so we you know basically walked with him we got into his packed closed panel he was just like, yeah, come on in with me, no problem. So we went in with him and his wife and sat down in the front row and you know just just listened to him. So he's he's very personable and a
1: great guy. And and he loves magic. He was playing magic at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and we we were watching him play and uh, you know just talk to him. So if if you like magic and you like reading, you're his best friend. Yeah, and he's always wanting
0: to play with the fans Uh, a lot of fans give him cards like rare cards and he's gotten to the point where he's like don't do that anymore i appreciate i really appreciate that but i have everything now
1: (laughs) so (laughs) well yeah yeah and i've seen him play he's got some amazing cards he cut was it uh four years ago maybe we went to that book signing and he had created a a little card game kind of like a magic type card game out of uh for um, the Mistborn series, yeah, I think that's what it was. That was pretty cool. Yeah, so he he loves it, and he's he spends a lot of time playing and writing, and he's just a fun guy. I can't you know I can't I can't say that enough. Yeah, how what an awesome guy he is. Yeah.
0: So anyway, uh, he writes uh, his main fantasy series is called the Cosmere, C-O-S-M-E-R-E, and the guys over at Seventeenth Shard. Um, that's one 7 S H A R D. They have, it's the fan site for, uh, the Brandon Sanderson Cosmere Universe. So, 17thshard.com. If you want to learn more about it, there's some forums, there's news. So, it's kind of the, the go-to shop for anything Brandon Sanderson. Besides his website, BrandonSanderson.com. But, um... The Cosmere is—it's kind of his universe that he plays in, and he's got several sp- series going on at the same time within the Cosmere. Uh, and in the beginning, he published his first novel, Elantris, and then he published um, the Mistborn trilogy. And although there were some similarities, there wasn't—it wasn't clear. Or wasn't obvious that they were in the same world. And then, as he started writing more books like *Warbreaker*, and um, he took some time off to finish *The Wheel of Time*, then he started up with um, *The Stormlight Archive*, and then it started to become a kind of a the ultimate detective game, where you got to figure out <coughs> which characters cross over in the story. You know, if this means something in one world, does it mean the same thing in another world, and how is it different? How is it similar? So it's very fun to kind of track all these these similarities and differences down and just kind of think about what does it mean and how does it pertain to the overall expansive main story.
1: Well, it was so hard at first too because Brandon Sanderson would have these big Q&As and people started to catch on about uh, certain things that were happening that – that weren't quite adding up or were strange, you know, kind of reminiscent of other books. And they would ask him in these Q&As, and he would refuse to answer them until a further book came out and expounded on it. So it was pretty interesting uh, because there's a lot of interest out there, a lot of different uh, theories about what was going on. So uh, for me, that made it even more interesting.
0: Yeah. And if you go to the 17th Shard or go to a panel and he talks about, you know, what's going on, He's not even halfway through his the projected uh, books that he wants to write. And so there's as much as it, information that is that's out there, there's so much more coming. And it's going to be another 15, 20 years, I would guess, till he finishes it up. And so there's just... It's so expansive. And that, I think that's one thing I do like about it. It's so deep. Character development's awesome. The world building is exceptional, top-notch. There's a magic system that's logical. It doesn't, you know, just rely on, oh, I, I waved my staff and f- healed you. You know, there's consequences to the magical actions that take place, and there's a reason why it works this way and doesn't work that way, so it's very logical and thought out, and uh, just everything about it is is, is impressive. Um, if you go to the 17shard.com website and look up their their wiki that talks about the cosmere and what it is it kind of breaks it down because it's pretty pretty intense and in-depth like i said um so i'll just read a couple things about what is the the cosmere it says on coppermind.net which is their wiki The structure and physics of the Cosmere are the same as our own, but the main story of the Cosmere occurs in a compact dwarf galaxy, meaning it has many fewer stars and systems than our galaxy. Time flows the same in the Cosmere. There are ten primary planets in the Cosmere, sometimes called shard worlds, and there's a magic system that, like I mentioned before, he talks about that. Uh, The physical universe of the Cosmere only tells one part of the story. In fact, there are three realms of existence, the physical realm, the cognitive realm, and the spiritual realm, that all coexist simultaneously, and everything has aspects in each of these realms. So, it's pretty well thought out, very detailed, very interconnected and complex. I've read the books probably at least three times, and I'm still figuring things out as I go along each time and read it, go to the... You know the forums and read some more stuff every time a new book comes out i gotta you know refresh my memory and i learn something again so um it's it's something that i enjoy doing over time and i like the fact that you have to be patient that you have to you know take years to finish the story that's something that's very appealing to me you know i I do enjoy a movie that's two hours you're you know two hours and you're done But I also enjoy these long, drawn-out stories just as much, if not
1: more. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, One of my favorite things, like you, that's been about this book, this series, is that it started out pretty simple, right? You read this book. It's a standalone book. It ends. Great story. You read another one, same thing. And then everything starts connecting a little bit more and a little bit more. And it gets to the point there's so much story that you just can't do it just by, you know, reading a book one time. You have to read them again. or you, And then you have to get on, you know, some forums and read some stuff. And I like that. I love having to look into a book a little bit more than just what's on the surface, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I've really enjoyed it. And probably the second thing that I, I really enjoy is, is the different types of magics, right? Different types of uh, – powers or whatever you want to call them right whatever makes you feel good about you know to call them uh they're different each each group of series you know if you read the Mistborn series it's different than from what it's on Atlantis it's different from what it's on the Stormlight Archives it's just great and uh it it really keeps me intrigued how this is all one universe and but you have this wide variety of uh, different magics, and what's interesting is that, you know, Brandon Sanderson has said that, yeah, people from one area may be able to use magics from another world, uh, or whatever it is, and it's pretty interesting uh, how that's all worked, and how he keeps it all together, right, he doesn't just create a magic, and you're all powerful, and nothing can stop you, he has rules to his magic, he has limitations, he has boundaries, And that's just made it even more amazing for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine what his, um, you know, personal encyclopedia to keep all this straight, what his timelines are, and, you know, the database that he uses, I'm sure, is huge um, to to manage and to keep track of all this information as he's writing. Because I'm sure there's tons of stories that he writes, and then he decides not to use it, you know, or he saves it for a later Book or different series or whatever the case may be. So,
1: well, I know he has a huge, like a good group of beta readers that help him out with that. Yeah, Uh, we've met a couple of them, right? We've met some of the people from Seventeenth Shard, and they do really good about helping keep all that for him. And I know that I'm sure, like you said, he's got some databases that he just that he has because this story is just so big, so great um Definitely something to read. If if you haven't picked up any of his books, pick them up. Start with the Lantris. If you don't want to start with the Lantris, that's fine. Pick any of them up. Great stories. If yeah. if you've read them, tell us what you think. You like them? You don't like them? Uh, you know, let us know what you guys think. Uh, we we love them. We go to the signings all the time. Um, I don't know if they still do this. I it seems like they've gone away, but we would go out and camp out for three or four days and five degree weather until we got a number to get a signature (laughs) and uh we loved it i mean oh yeah was it uh a while ago i mean we were outside with a a heater and and uh snuggling up in a tent and then 6 a.m when they opened the doors i ran inside it was so cold but it was it was worth it and it's fun you get to know like his fans are just amazing the people you get to meet it's just great yeah great all around
0: yeah Yeah, I think they've gone away from the camping. I think this last release, uh, the bookstore told them, you you can't have people out there anymore. It's getting too big.
1: (laughs) Well, oh, I mean, the first year I think we went was when he did a Robert Jordan book. Yeah. Uh, I think it was not the very last one, but the third to last one, you know, when he split up that last book into three. Yeah. And uh, we went to it, and I think we showed up that morning, and we were... 50 or 60th in line
0: yeah
1: and uh by the time the last one came out or even his the last one he did was his own book we were there three or four days early and we were still in the 20s and the line was insane yeah it was so long there was hundreds of tents everywhere there was it was just pandemonium right there i remember there were fights about who was first in line there were arguments (laughs) about this and that and it was just it was crazy, and it was fun at the same time for the fans, but yeah, like you said, I, you know, the bookstore just kind of said, hey, we, we can't have that. That's that's insane. It, and for me, I mean, I see why, but it kind of lost some of the luster for me as like a, a diehard fan, you know, yeah. because I would show up, sit in line for four days and get, you know, signature number 22, or I think the best signature I have is number seven, right? Yeah. And uh, But now, they just kind of do a lottery. You put your name in and you either get number one or you get five hundred, no matter when you do. And and I I see the benefits for them for that. You know why they need to do that. But as a diehard fan, I miss the lines because I I like talking to other diehard fans. I like sitting out there and just I don't know the atmosphere. You know, I mean, yeah. you were there. I think you know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, definitely. It was good too, because there were people from all over the the country, and you just talk to people you normally wouldn't talk to. And you're talking to him about something that you enjoyed reading and and being a part of. So it was great to get that camaraderie and to be able to talk about the books because that's you know you mostly talk about the story that uh, you're you're wanting to to get the latest installment of. But you also talk about other interests which end up being pretty similar. So you know you talk about Star Wars, you talk about Lord of the Rings, um, you know whatever. So Yeah, it was a great time and Brandon would show up sometimes and, you know, see how we're doing, check in on us and, you know, thank us for coming and being a part of it. So it was, was, it's a great time. Uh, One thing that I wanted to read, it's on his Facebook page, Brandon Sanderson's page. He does a frequently asked questions Friday uh, post every Friday where fans can send in questions and he'll pick a few or a couple or one and just answer it. And the one that he did last Friday, August 25th was, I think it was an older one because he was at, I think Gen Con this last weekend. So he didn't really have time to to read through and pick one. So he posted an old question from a while ago. And the question is, how did you come up with the stormlight archives gem magic slash technology and i won't read the whole thing but i'll read a couple sentences off it Uh, he says one of the things to keep in mind is that i developed this book before mistborn was published i do wonder if sometimes people are going to say oh he did metals before and now he's doing crystals but the thoughts arose quite independently in my head you may know that there's a unifying theory of magic for all of my worlds a behind-the-scenes rationale like a lot of people believe there's unifying theory of physics I have a unifying theory of magic that I try to work within in order to build my worlds as an armchair scientist believing in a unifying theory helps me I'm always looking for interesting ways that magic can be transferred and interesting ways that people become can become users of magic I don't want to just fall into expected me- methodologies If you look at a lot of fantasy, and this is what I did in Mistborn, so it's certainly not bad, or if it is, I'm part of the problem, a lot of magic is just something you're born with. You're born with this special power that is either genetic or placed upon you by fate or something like that. In my books, I want interesting and different ways of doing that. That's why in Warbreaker, the magic is simply the ability to accumulate life force from other people, and anyone who does that becomes a practitioner of magic. In the way of Kings, I was looking for some sort of reservoir. Essentially, I wanted magical batteries because I wanted to take this series toward developing a magical technology. So that's when he gets into the, the crystals and how they store power that uh, people can use to do amazing things. So that's kind of his his perspective on magic. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about how it's logical. And there is, there is this um, kind of scientific approach to it, which I appreciate. And it enhances the story, it builds character, and um, is is interesting to read.
1: Well, even, even in the Mistborn series, I mean, it started out like kind of what he was saying, people born with it. Yeah. But in the later books, right, he's kind of changed how that all works. Yeah. Like, you don't necessarily have to be born with it anymore. I mean, it, it's just interesting. You know, like what you were saying, you know, what you're reading – I mean, even – he. I mean, he talks about uh, magic as laws, right? And he says, you know, the first law of magics, an author's ability to solve conflict with magic is directly proportional to how well the reader understands said magic.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, it's been interesting because he explains it so well. Like, you know how it works. And uh, you know its limitation. It's just – I mean, the guy's a genius. There's, yeah. there's nothing else to be said. He's a genius, and he's created this world that, you know, I want to somehow go be part of, right?
0: Yeah. I think we'll have a, a chance to do that more in depth. Um, was it at the one of the book signings that he was talking about how he's going to go multimedia, that they're, you know, looking at distributing a distributor for movies, producers for movies, that they're looking at video game series.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember how long ago. It seems like it was the last one we went to a couple years ago. Uh, he did talk about that they found, uh, you know, uh, something for the movies and a video game for the Mistborn series. And that's the last time I really heard anything else about it, right? I, I was expecting to hear more about it between now and then. And maybe there has been announcements that we've missed or haven't heard but you know I I think these can just be nothing but amazing movies amazing games if they made if they made Mistborn series a game I would get in a heartbeat that that's that series alone is would make him a great author right then you add in everything else and it's just you know I mean it makes sense why he was picked to finish robert jordan's series
0: yeah yeah and i think it was it's been a couple of years and i just think these things take time to you know work out the business end of things to get that in place and then to transfer a, a story over into a, a video game or a movie you know those you got to write a script and all that and those that just takes time so i think that's where we're at there hasn't been really any major announcements i think It'd be all our Facebook, my Facebook feed anyway, if that were to happen. Same thing with Patrick Rothfuss. I mean, he kind of announced this a similar deal about a year ago where there's going to be movies, TV show, video games, more books, you know, the whole shebang. And we haven't heard anything since. So I think they're just in the development stage right now. Um, one thing that I do I do want to bring up is he writes so many books. We touched on that that he also writes books outside of the Cosmere, one series being uh, Steelheart. Uh, I forget the official name of that series, but I think Steelheart's the first uh, book in that series. And there's three books and a short story. And he has, at the last signing, he, he said that he writes those stories as he would write a movie In his mind so he plans them out and structures them so that they are um, cinematic in nature that they can easily translate over to uh, a movie or a a TV show I guess so that's something that I've always appreciated so uh, let's see what that series is called it's just like it's called Steelheart series and there's so there's Steelheart the short story mitosis which is set between Steelheart and the next book, Firefight. And then it ends up with Calamity as the the last book in that series. So,
1: so I was just reading uh, about the video game. So it was announced in 2012 is when it was. So it was more than a couple years ago. Oh. Like five years ago wow. when he announced that. And it was by a group called The Orbit, I think is what it said. Uh, and apparently they were supposed to come out in 2013. They announced that it would be released on Xbox 360, uh, but it never happened. And this is a, a, a post, so I don't know how you know, official it is. It come, comes off the 17th shard, right? And uh, it looks like um, somebody made, named Page Runner posted, Brandon just talked about it on Twitter, the, the, the game. And he said, it's moving slowly and it might still happen. Uh, and then um, someone else posted, uh, named Chaos, says it's the Lord Ruler of the Forums the 17th and 17th Shard Webmaster. He says, two months ago, Brandon said, status of the game is not looking good. Sorry. After a series of setbacks on the game studio, I'm not sure if we'll, if we'll ever see this. Mm-hmm. Not surprising. It hasn't been at E3 in a long time. I doubt we would see it here. And if not, it's almost certainly total vaporware. Mm -hmm. So it looks like it kind of died. There's a couple more posts, you know, as you read it. You know, unfortunately, it's dead. Um, Brownie face. uh, Let's see. Yeah, it just kind of looked like it's dead. Oh, here's another, looks like more official post. It says, "Uh, hello, everyone. This is Matthew Scott, the CEO for Little Orbit, and I think we're overdue for a final update on Mistborn Birthright. Apparently, that's what the game was called this this is just a post i have no idea how official this is i'm just reading it from 17th shard it says first we can now definitely say that this project isn't going to happen mm-hmm. please know that it's not for a lack of effort even as a publisher the video game industry isn't easy etc 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 so it looks like you know there wasn't uh, an intention to do a video game but it looks like it's uh it died in the water um, at some point, unfortunately. So uh, I don't know how official this is, like I said, but you know, something to keep in mind does look like that might have died in the water, which is unfortunate because I would have played that game in a heartbeat. Yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah, that is unfortunate.
0: But it has such great potential that I'm sure they'll look at it again at some
1: point oh i I'm sure I mean you you can make a video game I, I it might be hard too right there's a millions of video games out there, and I'm sure that's a tough, tough industry I can only imagine right and yeah. in order to make a video game successful, it has to be done right yeah. so you know maybe in the end it it's better off not coming out at this point
0: yeah well um, so the the two major books in the cosmere that are the most recent i guess i would say are from the stormlight archive so the way of kings and this that is the first book in in the series and the second book words of radiance they've been out for a few years now however the the third book oathbringer is coming out in november 2017 let's see november 13th it looks like of, of this year so they will be having another signing there we'll be there check it out and bring you some some live feedback and kind of how the ambience is and what's going on so and then i would so after the stormlight archive i would say the next series is the mistborn series it started out with three books and then uh, Brandon decided to go back to that world and he's written three more books with a fourth due and then there's been a short story oh, a couple of short stories actually set in that world so if you're new to the Cosmere and Brandon Sanderson I would start out with one of those two series if you're into reading you know thousand page books start off with The Way of Kings and the Stormlight Archive if you want to read just a Three four hundred page books start out with Mistborn, and then go from there.
1: Um, and and it all just depends, you know, what kind of reader you you are too. Where yeah. you want to start? I mean, if you're really into, you know, fantasy sci-fi type stuff, start with a thousand page book. That's an amazing story, and it, you know can kind of jump you into it. Uh, if you're not sure about Brandon Sanderson, start with Mistborn series. Justin and I have talked to plenty of people who are not into you know, the sci-fi fantasy world. You know, We had them read the Mistborn series. and next thing you know, they're Brandon Sanderson fans. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it, it, it's a great story. So you know, if, if you're looking for a new book, if you're looking and you're not sure, start with the Mistborn series. There's, you can't go wrong with it. You just can't.
0: Yeah, well said. Alright, so moving on from the Cosmere, we'll, we'll definitely get back to that. It's my favorite series, and Brandon's my favorite author at this point. So we'll definitely be going back to that. And moving on to the next big thing that happened in the last couple of weeks is Netflix's release of The Defenders. So this is the culmination of, what, four five different series that's been going on the past couple years. It started out with Daredevil Season 1, then went to Jessica Jones Season 1, then Luke Cage Season 1, and then Daredevil Season 2 came out around that time as well, and then finished up with Iron Fist Season 1, and then they came out with the Defenders. So if you're not familiar with the Defenders, they are a Marvel... Comic book series, you know, based in New York City, or more specifically Hell's Kitchen, which is—I honestly don't know where that is. I've been to New York a few times and never heard of Hell's Kitchen until I started, you know, getting involved with this. But I'm—I don't know if it's a, so. I don't know if it's a made-up neighborhood like Harlem and Bronx, which are you know real places in New York City, and Hell's Kitchen is a a real place, or if it's a you know made-up place for these comic book characters to to work in
1: it looks like it is real actually Uh, it looks like it's just west of this is on a map right Hmm. it looks like it's just west of Times square um and just east of lincoln tunnel so everything kind of right between there um and then kind of goes across you know the hudson river there
0: all right let me look that up then because maybe we've been there (laughs) so yeah um they are a Marvel series. They're kind of the the local boy Avengers type, where they you know start out on their own. They get their own um, superpowers. They have their own adventures, and then there's a a crisis, so they all team up and work together. So I'm looking at
1: Hell's Kitchen,
0: and yeah, we we were there when we went to New York Comic Con. We walked through
1: there yeah yeah we walked through that whole area right yeah <laughs> So and, I, i've
0: been to hell's kitchen didn't even know
1: yeah it. we might have been we might have gotten mugged if you know not for daredevil but I know. you know it's yeah we've walked right through <laughs> there it's pretty interesting yeah. i didn't uh i didn't know where hell's kitchen was either until you just start talking about it but
0: yeah
1: there you go we've we've been we've been there we were probably in the movie yeah no i'm just kidding <laughs> all
0: right um so yeah uh it's kind of hard to kind of give a synopsis of the defenders without giving away parts of you know the individual series that they came from so we're going to be doing spoilers for those individual series and by the time this gets released this podcast it'll be um coming up on 2 weeks of the release of the defenders it's been a week now so if you're listening this to this around, you know, September 1st, it hasn't been the full 2 weeks for the spoiler policy, but we'll be spoiling it anyway cuz it was awesome. We can't talk about this series unless we talk about the ending as well. So
1: Yes, so ter- if you're going to watch the series, you haven't finished it yet anything, now's the time to say adios, come listen to the rest later, but uh, yeah, we will be spoiling what happened in this amazing amazing new show yeah i mean i i watched it in 24 hours yeah. right Yep. so that's how good it is yep
0: yeah i wasted a saturday a friday and a friday afternoon and a saturday watching this so um well, i wouldn't say wasted because it was a good show i think there was eight shows in the series
1: yep yeah there's eight eight episodes eight, about an hour long
0: yeah so not too long but good enough to get your your feel. So these guys come together because there's a threat, and this threat is the hand. And the hand was exposed and kinda expounded upon in the earlier series. They're involved in everything. In all the they're kinda like the mafia. They're they have their hands in everything and they run the you know businesses, big corporations behind the scenes cause all these problems throughout the world for their own gain. And there's five of them, so that's why they're called the Hand, Five Fingers. And they all work together, they work against each other, they try to plot against each other, but ultimately they have built this empire and are trying to continue to do so. One of the storylines in this series was that the Defenders... Um, have stumbled upon them in their previous standalone series, but they they come together. I think it's the second episode, and they kind of start to realize they're all um, after the same thing, and so they re- reluctantly at first join up together to fight, and then towards you know the last couple episodes they start to bond and they start to look out for each other, and want to. Succeed as a unit instead of just, hey, these guys are going to help me reach my goal, so I'm going to work with them. They, you know, through the the adversarial times, they are able to come together and have success. The so the hand, it's revealed in the in Iron Fist right before this series, uh, the Defenders that the the hand. Came from Kung Lun, which is where Iron Fist was trained, and became the Iron Fist. The Iron Fist is a kind of a guardian, and is responsible for protecting this uh, monk-like city. And he he leaves the city to pursue his own interests in Iron Fist, and then at the end of Iron Fist, he goes back because he needs to, you know, um, atone for his. Disobedience, but he goes back and finds the city destroyed, and that's how this that series ends.
1: So I, I, mean, I never watched Iron Fist. It's kind of a, you know, downer on me. I after watching Defenders, I realized I should have watched it first. But uh, is Kung, Kung Lun, is that like their Heavenly City, or is it like a capital? What is Kunlun? Is yeah,
0: that- it's they never really showed it in its glory. They always referred to it just in exposition throughout this, the show and it's basically so um danny rand was with on a plane with his mom and dad and the hand set it up so the plane would crash plane crashes danny rand survives the monks of Kung lung take him in and train him for years and then he ends up becoming the iron fist but it's Basically, kind of like in Doctor Strange, where he goes to that mountaintop monastery and trains and learns how to use the the powers that he ends up getting. It's kind of that same scenario, where he goes to this isolated area with a bunch of monks. They teach him, they raise him, they train him, and he ends up gaining a a superpower
1: out of it. Okay, so it's like a holy city type thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, The thing with Kung Lun, though, is so these members of the hand, they were part of that. And for some reason, they decided to, they weren't on board with what they were teaching. So they decide to leave these five individuals and go form their own group. I think they kind of got, they were kind of planning on leaving or overthrowing the the monastery. And so they either got kicked out or were forced out. And so they, they leave, and they discover a way to live eternally, to become immortal.
1: Well, from what I understand, right, correct me if I'm wrong, so the, the monks' whole idea was to use the power for healing, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And they wanted to use, the the guys that left wanted to use it to stay alive forever, as opposed to using it for healing, which was kind of an abomination. Yeah. Is, that, is that right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that whole part wasn't addressed in Iron Fist. It was just in the Defenders that that part was talked about.
1: Oh, okay, okay. My, my fault. No, you're fine. <laughs> Getting off topic here. No,
0: you're fine. It's just in Iron Fist, they didn't really... Kung Lung was mentioned. You know, he's a He would always say, yeah, I was trained there. I became the Iron Fist there. And it kind of showed how he got the Iron Fist. He had to slay a dragon. And... But it was very minimal in what they showed us about Kunlung. And then he comes back to New York, the beginning of the Defenders, and they start their quest on trying to figure out who the Hand is and how they can defeat him. So, yeah, they they come together in the second or third episode. They go to this... Danny Rand confronts the, the members of the Hand in their big office building that they've built over the... I think it was a Daredevil season two. They were building that office building. And then he goes up to the boardroom. They're all meeting there. And he says, Hey, you guys killed my parents. Um, you guys are criminals. I'm not going to take this anymore. And so uh, the leader of the hand, Zagurni um, Weaver's character, uh, Alexandra, is that her name?
1: I believe so. Um let me look. I just know Sigourney Weaver, right? Yeah. Cuz <laughs> so I watched the Alien series. Yeah. But uh I can't remember quite remember her name, but I think you're right.
0: Yeah. So then Alexandra walks in with her her ninjas and they all start fighting uh Danny Rand. And just at that time Luke Cage, he was doing his own investigation with some deaths in his neighborhood and he tracked it down to this same corporation. So he comes walking in just about that same time and they realize they're both wanting to, you know, defeat these guys. So they team up temporarily and they start, you know, kicking butt. And then also at the same time, Jessica Jones and uh, Matt, what's his last name? Daredevil. Uh, Matt Murdock. They show up at the same time. So it's all four of them just going to town on these ninjas and... guys with machine guns (laughs) this is crazy chaos it's just amazing so that's the first time they team up and they're able to you know defeat all these guys and escape and then electra shows up and she's been reborn with this substance that grants um eternal you know the immortality that they're looking for so she's been reborn with that substance and you know in the daredevil season 2 she was teaming up with Matt and Daredevil they were a team and they'd fight crime but now she's on the bad side so she's with the hand instead of fighting against them so she comes out and they have to defeat Elektra and they escape with their lives and then they go and from then on it's just you know chase fight chase regroup through the whole series until you know until the end the final episode so it's very entertaining very action-oriented um a lot of since they're new team members coming together to work, there's a lot of um personal agendas that they have to put out on the table as well as work through together and they that's one of the things I did like about the show is towards the end they were able to work through those things and you know start to trust one another and um they were able to defeat the hand at the end uh one one major reveal. Was when uh, Alexandra is deposed from her leadership. I don't know if you want to address that, Mark.
1: Oh yeah, that, was amazing. that part was one of my favorite parts in the whole the whole series. Right? Um, ba- basically, Electra stages a coup d you know a coup d'état by <laughs> simply slaughtering the leader. <laughs> yeah. There's no there's no other way to put it, right? I mean, uh, everyone thinks that. They know what her agenda is, and and you know she's this pet on a leash almost, and then just out of nowhere, uh, ends up you know deposing Sigourney Reaver's character Alexandra, and taking charge She's basically saying I'm in charge now, and uh, and the other people just okay, I mean there's nothing else to do, <laughs> yeah. um, you know so she takes charge and. Uh, apparently they have to, you know, go and and uh, get eternal life or whatever they're looking for, and and the rest of them go along with her because you know it's the closest they've ever been to gaining their eternal life, and you know there's no honor among thieves, so you know why why care about someone's death when someone else stronger stepped up? It, it was just an amazing series, right? Yeah. I mean, from, from start to finish, there's so much to the storyline. We could go on forever about it, really. But, uh, you know, the things that I really liked about it are how, how they brought everyone together, right? I mean, there's so many ways they could have done that. But they all did it in their own way, showed up at this place. And now they have to figure out, can we work together? You know, it's not just that we're all heroes. Let's go gung-ho. You know, there was some conflict in there. I like that. There's some good storyline in there. And, you know, for me, the first first episode started off kind of slow, a little hard to get into. And then it just picked up immediately from the second one. And I could tell. I mean, if you haven't watched the other ones, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, those ones, you need to watch them before you watch Defenders because I could tell I was missing some of the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean – because it assumes you've watched it so and, it, and it's not going to hold back on that assumption and so the movie you know just, or the show just goes on and and so there were some things i had to look up and and uh catch up on but you know it, it was just great the way they brought it all together i mean very few criticism criticisms for me i mean my my favorite part had to have been no joke when Alexandra was deposed e- yeah. easily. Just, it was something you didn't see coming, and it, was, it made so much sense to the movie. Uh, I, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think, Justin? What was your, your big favorite part?
0: Probably the, there was two parts that I can remember right now. The, the scene I described earlier where Danny Rand comes into the boardroom and challenges him, tells him he's going to get rid of him. And then all chaos breaks loose and they start going at it with all four of the Defenders show up at the same time. And it's, you know, kind of the first team up for the Defenders. That was exciting to watch. And then, so there's just been this character named Stick throughout uh, the Daredevil series. And I think he's showed up a little bit here and there as well in the other ones. But definitely in the Daredevil seasons that he's kind of the mentor to Matt Murdock in his quest or journey to become daredevil and there's a scene where he you know he gets captured by alexandra and Electra and they're gonna kill him and you know they're gonna kill him you're like oh i guess this is it for stick you know how's he gonna get out of this one and he cuts off his hand because he's handcuffed with this pole and he just slices off his hand duels Electra and escapes and i just remember thinking oh my gosh this show is serious you know anybody and anything can be destroyed
1: and, well, he does it like a boss, too, yeah, right? It's yeah. Just, oh well, gotta lose my hand. Here we go.
0: Yep. Yeah, it was an amazing moment. Um, then I liked the scene, <laughs> kind of the same thing, where they they were able to capture a member of the hand and hold him prisoner, and he somehow escapes and has someone by the, I think it's Danny Rand. He has him by the, you know, the chokehold and a knife to his head, and he's gonna kill him if they don't let him go and so the other defenders kind of back off, okay, okay, take him. But sticks like no way you're not having him. And he cuts off the dude's head and just like, "Okay, you're not you're not getting out of here with Danny Rand." He just slices off his head and he's just like, "Whoa, that's pretty intense."
1: Well, I liked it too cuz it it would make sense to the character, right? Here you have this old warrior who who has spent his whole life getting ready for these moments, yeah. and I mean, he, he knows what he wants. I mean, yeah. who knows what the other heroes want, but he knows what his mission is. He doesn't even hesitate. Yeah. Right? Everyone else is like, no, we shouldn't kill him. He's like, well, he's too late. I mean, I made the decision, and he had to die one way or the other, and now he's dead.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I think it was good uh, character development that way because I think you would kind of ex- expect the heroes to be like, oh, I don't know about that because they're new they're still trying to figure themselves out. Matt Murdoch kind of has this no-kill rule, I guess. He's trying to be soft on people and reform them. But Stick, he's been fighting the fight. You know, he he it was revealed at some point that he's part of this larger army that's been trying to defeat the hand for years, and he's one of the last members. And so he sees the chance to take one out and he takes it. He does it.
1: well and and they had thought they had killed one in another show right yeah Uh, i think it was uh danny Rand's show yeah he he had thought he had killed one right but then he ended up coming back yeah that was one part that
0: was confusing to me they in the sense that they didn't really address it It was like okay they kind of hinted it in one episode yeah we're waiting for the the last member to come back from south america or something and then it shows up, and it's this dude that you thought was dead already. It's like, what? Well, how did that happen? And they didn't really explain it, other than um, the
1: reason they, they had. go ahead.
0: I was just say the the reason they so they brought Electra back with the last of the substance, and that was kind of a, a catch. I don't know. I don't think they really explained it because they used the last of the substance on Electra. In Daredevil season two, and at the beginning of this show, but then if they didn't, if they used the last of it, how did they bring Bakudo back when he died after Elektra? And he was yeah. brought back to life after Elektra was brought back to life. So that was kind of an inconsistency
1: there. Maybe it's a timeline issue, right? Yeah. Whereas they didn't necessarily release in chronological order. Yeah. So I, I don't know if, if anyone if you're listening to this and you know, let us know. I mean, if there's something that says, oh, yeah, this is how the timeline works. Yeah. But uh, I mean here's a question for you. Is Stick really dead? Right. Because it seems like people are dying and coming back. <laughs> Stick was supposed to be dead, right? Yeah. <laughs> he came back. So uh, is is he really dead this time?
0: I hope not. He was a great character. He was, you know, the old grumpy guy that was just badass all around. And He was fun to watch. Um, in this show, he was dead. I mean, he didn't come back at the end, or you know, there wasn't a sign of life in him or anything. So, at this point, we're led to believe he's he's truly dead. But I, as a fan, I hope not. I hope he comes back at some point.
1: Yeah, no, that that would be good. And obviously, the I mean, the show ends spectacular ending. Um, if you're listening to this, you're re- you're ready for the spoiler. Or you've seen it, uh, but at the end, you don't really know what happens, right? The building collapses. Matt Murdock, Daredevil, and Elektra are in it, and uh, we we know there's going to be a season two. You know now what? I, mean, I think one of the biggest questions I have in my head is: supposedly, Elektra came back without a soul. She's empty, yeah. but through the show we kinda of see no she wasn't empty, she she remembers yeah. you know, what she gonna be like. Is there gonna be reconciliation? But where does it go from here, right? If the hand's essentially dead, now what? What what's Defenders Two about?
0: Yeah. Well Madden Gao, she's kinda of, she's the only one that wasn't shown being killed. She was kinda of in the shadows. She was underneath in the cavern as well with Daredevil and Electra. And she kind of just fades off into the shadows, so I got the sense that you know she somehow found found a way out, and Elektra and Daredevil were fighting each other, which is kind of the one uh, thing that I didn't really buy into in the whole show, you know, this superhero show, <laughs> was how Daredevil and Elektra, because it kind of set it up where. Electra would hesitate and not kill Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock still cared for Electra, so there was still kind of this give and take that they liked each other and then the last 20 minutes of the show is them fighting and trying to kill each other. I think Matt Murdock's trying to just defend himself and bring her back from the darkness that she's in. But in the end, Electra kind of comes around, but they're still trying to kill each other. And I'm, I just didn't really buy into that as much. And so,
1: yeah, I understand that. It was kind of weird to me too, that she was supposed to have whatever power she's supposed to have, but all that she really seems is a little stronger, right? So maybe we haven't seen it all yet, Yeah. but I mean, it just kind of seems strange that, you know, that she's supposed to have all this power and I just, I, I don't see it. Yeah. Right.
0: She's just exceptionally well gifted at sword fighting and martial arts and powerful that in that sense, but there's nothing... I mean, Matt Murdock holds his own against her. Um, you know, so it's, she's not that powerful, at least in, the, in what we've seen so far. Um, the whole Daredevil Season 2 was about the black sky, stopping the black sky from happening. And then we find out that Elektra is the black sky. So... And she wasn't, you know, she didn't bring Armageddon with her. So, um, but we find out the so the building they blow up the building to defeat the Hand and all the the henchmen of the Hand. And Matt Murdock, Electra, and Madame Gao are trapped in inside underneath this building, and it, when it collapses, and everyone thinks they're dead, but the last scene of. The show is Matt Murdock in a bed in a convent somewhere being cared for and he's he's alive and I think someone there's some speculation that the nuns that he's staying with that one of them is his mother and that you know she's gonna now come into the story and play a major role but that is speculation based off a name that was said which happens to be um his mother's name. So it's kind of the Martha effect, right? Marvel fans bag on Batman versus Superman and the whole, oh your mom's name is Martha, mine is too. Hey, we're buddies. They bag on that, but then you got <laughs> you got this scene where, you know, someone says, "Oh, tell so and so he's awake." And all of a sudden, "Oh, it's his mom." Cuz they happen to have the same name. And it's probably true, but um it's a lot of speculation.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, do you know when Defenders Two is, uh, you know, slated to release?
0: No, nothing. I uh, just know that Punisher is being filmed right now for a release later this year, hopefully.
1: You know, that was probably one of my two disappointments about this. Is that Punisher is nowhere to be seen? Yeah. You know, I, I was a little bummed about that, I have to admit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he should have been in there at least as a cameo or a, a plot point.
1: Oh, yeah. I think the second thing that disappointed me, and, and this is such a, you know, a little thing, but for me, I like intros to movies. I like good music. I like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, when I watched Daredevil and they had that intro, you know, had the little prologue and then the intro music, it got me into it. Yeah, you know, I was like, man, this is amazing. I did not like the intro music to the Defenders. I know that's such a little thing, such a nitpicky thing, but for me, it just was it was kind of a turn off a little bit. I, I had to skip the intro because it would turn me off to the show.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. You know, music—that's why they have soundtracks, right? Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, their soundtracks were just as important as a, a story, you know, a plot point in the story. You know, it added that much depth to the overall story. So, yeah, definitely you got to have a good, at least a good intro to the show to get people intrigued and drawn into the, to what's going on on the screen. Um, yeah, so Defenders, check it out. It's on Netflix. Do you have any final thoughts on the Defenders?
1: Mark, uh, you know I think everything has been said. Yeah, such a yeah. such a great show. I mean, over fifty thousand users has a ninety three percent approval rating yeah. from people that have seen it. Uh, rotten Tomatoes, as rotten as they are, they gave them seventy four percent. But uh, that's low. I mean, yeah, that's that's so low, right? I mean, it was such a well thought out, well brought together show. Yeah, it, watch it if if you want a good series. If you like the others, watch it. If you didn't like the others, watch it. If you have no interest in superheroes, still watch it. It's it's good.
0: Yeah. So I give it a an A minus. Oh easy. Yeah.
1: Easy A minus. I mean I I would I wouldn't even mind giving it an A. I, I liked it that much.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. So usually we have the movie of the week portion. wrap up the show but I think we kind of talked about the movies we watched this week Uh, like I said I watched Rocky Balboa not a typical random angst movie but hey we're random and so you never know what you're gonna get with us Uh, we will have that movie of the week review next time Uh, like we've talked about another podcast it is coming out soon so we'll we'll definitely be reviewing that that's probably a couple episodes away actually but I am thinking about rewatching some movies, um, and we can talk about those at, at the very least. Because there's not too many movies in the theater right now, so it'll probably be mostly home video that we're watching this week.
1: Yeah, ne- next time, too, I'm going to talk about some Dresden Files from, uh, from Jim Butcher. It's a great, great series, if you haven't picked it up. Some exciting news coming out of, uh, off their website, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well. All right. Well,
0: uh, we're going to wrap this show up. We want to thank you for listening to the Random Angst Podcast. This is episode four, and we're hoping many more episodes to come. Uh, If you want to follow us and interact with us outside of the podcast, please feel free to do so. We would enjoy the comments, any type of discussion that you may have. Um, We are found on Facebook at facebook.com slash randomangst. As well as we have our own website, randomangst.com. and these podcasts can be found on soundcloudcom randomangst. We are also on Twitter, twittercom randomangst. and we are now on Instagram. Just search for randomangst. follow us, and like our posts. Comment on them if you if you do like them. Uh, so for this episode, for episode four of Random Angst podcast, we want to thank you for listening. And we look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you.
1: Talk to you later, guys. Yep.